Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and the founder at Boldside. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here, the COO of Rare Kind. And today on the show, we're talking about gaslighting at work. Yeah, and what to do about it as well. I must admit, it's not an experience I've had directly, but I've been learning a lot about it, talking to you, Shell, before this episode and preparing for the episode. And I am sure that there are many people out there that have not been as fortunate as me and have come across this. Yeah, it's really interesting as we were preparing, Em, you said this thing around gaslighting is this term that's really only come to be widely talked about in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, that's all I feel like. I'm like, have I been living under a rock for all of the years before that? Or is it just me and we've just started hearing about it quite recently? Yeah, it's a really good conversation for us to have because it's something that does happen a lot at work and it can be really, really stressful and confusing and take a huge emotional toll. So we're going to dig into that today around what is gaslighting, what are the signs you're being gaslit and what to do about it. So this is going to be a real banger. I'm really pumped about this conversation because it is really complex. It's so complex, but we will do our best to simplify it. Awesome. Let's do it. So what is gaslighting? It's, to me, not the most intuitive term. It doesn't exactly say (laughs) what it is in the title. It doesn't say what it is on the package. Uh, But look, the definition we've got here. So if it's not something you're familiar with, it is when you have a team member or a boss. So we're going to call them the gaslighter. And they manipulate you to the point that you start to question Uh, I guess your own sanity, um, the way that you view situations, your recall of events and and what you remember happening. And the way that they do this is, well, it's manipulative. So they'll downplay your emotions. They'll find ways to retell a story or how something happened in a way that you end up taking the blame or feeling like you should take the blame. Um, And they'll even go as far as just denying that something even happened. Yeah, lying is a big part of gaslighting. So it's a really interesting thing because not every, you know, you can have two people sit in a conversation and have two totally different versions of events. That's that's a normal thing that happens. What is different about gaslighting is that someone is being really manipulative and and outright lying about their take on what's happened. And I guess they're doing that deliberately. Yes. So it's not this uh, genuine misunderstanding. Just, yeah, misunderstanding or we're just two people with two different views of the world and, you know, there's three sides to every story and we work through that together. It's not like that. It's actually got some consciousness to it and some motive as well, some ill motive. 
Yeah, and it's really it's good to talk about this definition so that we make it really clear about what it is. And then also we're going to talk about what it isn't in a moment. But where the term gaslighting came from is from this this play called Gaslight. And I think they might have made a movie about it. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to Google it and check. But it's where the husband convinces his wife that she's slowly going crazy and the, he's turning on and off the gas lamps in the house. And so they start flickering and she's like, oh, the lights are doing something weird. And he's like, no, they aren't. But he's actually the one doing it. And slowly, oh, that makes it's, really, it's really, it's really, it's really yuck. And that. so he's the one, and he's like, "No, that's not happening." And she's like, "No, I'm pretty sure it is." And then over time, she slowly oh. goes insane because this person is tricking her, lying to her, doing this really manipulative behaviour, but then blaming her that it's all in her mind. And we should say, given uh, you're talking about. Uh, the gaslights flickering. It is a play from the from 1938. Yeah. So this so term has actually been around for a really long. Well, it's time. been around for a really long time. But to your point earlier, is only emerged, re-emerged, I guess, as this concept of what happens in relationships. And obviously, in a work relationship, can happen very often for people. Especially, it, I think it especially happens when there's a really strong power dynamic. So a leader to an employee, you'll see it outplay or a senior team peer to peer where someone's trying to exert control over someone. And that's where it gets really, really messy. And it's a very manipulative thing to have happen. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about what are the the signs and symptoms of gaslighting? What does it actually look like? Yeah. So when you're being gaslit, there's a few things that will happen. And, you know, what we want to say up front, it's when they consistently happen. It's not just about the one-off. Like sometimes things happen as a one-off and you're like, oh, that that was a bit yuck, but it's an anomaly. Whereas when there's gaslighting happening, if you think about that play, he did that over time consistently and slowly it sent her questioning her own sanity. So one of the things you'll see is that someone flips the blame. So they're turning problems around to be your fault where maybe it's not as simple as that. And they also cause you to question your version of events. And it can you can leave a conversation being really feeling like that was really clear. I know what I have to do now. It's very obvious. And then you come back a week later and say, okay, I've done X, Y and Z. And that person's like, well, I never asked you to do that. Like, wait, wait, no, we all agreed. We all agreed. And so that can happen as a once off. But if it's happening regularly, that's when you start to see it's that form of manipulation. And at the same time, not uh, only are they flipping the blame onto you, they might also be denying themselves of any wrongdoing. So making sure that they're, you know, they're never the one that's done the wrong thing or that, you know, has remembered incorrectly or should be doing things differently. Yes, that's right, Em. And I think at the heart of gaslighting, it's it's this thing of how do I mask, the, the gaslighter is trying to mask their own insecurities by shifting the problem to you. So they're trying to draw attention to your weaknesses, highlighting your weaknesses so that they themselves look better. And I guess that starts to conjure ideas of like narcissistic tendencies or uh, you mentioned power, also control. So for them feeling a sense of control over you or over others and they're achieving that by manipulating. Yeah, that's right. And I think there's this – one of our community members sent through a story of being gaslit at work and so we wanted to use – I guess that's really what triggered us to do this episode because we were like, yeah, that's a really good 
point that what what do you do when your leader and it was a situation where their leader was gaslighting them and this was a pattern of behavior so I want to say it's not a one-off thing that has happened it was this regular occurrence and the story they shared with us was that their boss had asked them to take on some a new role or well aspects of more duties into their their work it was going to be quite a big step up for them and so they had sat down and had this conversation around okay well if I'm going to be doing all this extra work can I please get a pay rise and their boss said yep no worries like we'll talk about the pay rise sure thing and then let's catch up next week and we'll go through the details and then they came back again the week later and she she was like oh can we please um, talk about what the pay is going to look like now that I'm taking on all this work and their boss was like well I never said there'd be a pay rise and so this employee is left thinking no, I swear we talked about that. Like I wouldn't have just made up that we talked about pay because it's such a big a big thing and it's such a huge question that they wanted answered. And so she went back to her boss and said, well, no, we did talk about that because my assumption was accepting this role was that I was going to get a pay increase and the boss just outright denied, like outright blatantly lied in her opinion saying that never happened. Mm. And I think that's a really tough spot. So this person's left thinking, oh, maybe I just made that up. Did that even happen? And as we're hearing that example in isolation, it it can't, like I I found myself needing to remind myself that this is one example of, as you called out, Shell, repeated behaviour. So this, the, the relationship between these two people is such that this was not the first time that this sort of thing had happened from this boss. And that's right. So there'd been all these examples and smaller examples than this. So this is kind of like where it gets to boiling point. But in the lead up to this this situation, there had been a number of examples where the boss is saying, no, you, I never said that or no, that didn't happen or you, you're blowing this out of proportion. And I guess when they're maybe less is at stake, so th- let's call them those smaller examples – you might be more inclined to just let that go, let that go, let that go. But you're not really letting it go because you're actually starting to question yourself and think, is it me that keeps misunderstanding the situation or that isn't keeping up with the conversations? It's when something as significant as, you know, more responsibility and a pay rise is on the table though that it can cause you to be like, hang on a minute, what is going on here? Yeah, because when it's those small little things like, okay, well, I need you to get me this task done by two in two weeks. And then they come back to you the next week and they say, where's that thing? I needed it this week. And they're like, no, we said two weeks. Well, that can be one of those moments where you're like, oh, maybe I just got it wrong. Yeah. And it feels like, it feels like, oh, okay. And, and you, you can kind of write that off sometimes, but it starts to escalate and you start to see the behavior lift over time. And that's where it can get to that point of, wait, I just, I'm accepting a job that I was assuming would have quite a decent pay rise that all of a sudden you're saying no pay rise. So why on earth would I say yes to it? Yeah. If, like, and, and at the same time as that escalation happening, the you're also, I guess, being impacted in the sense that you're starting to f- like doubt yourself and lose confidence and feel more, I guess, off kilter and a bit more questioning of your own sanity as well. Totally. And I, and that's the huge thing. Like if we want to talk about the impact of the behaviour, it's very difficult. Gaslighting is very difficult to compartmentalise because you know when there's someone's 
when someone's very overt with a like a bad, let's just use a bad boss example. If someone is a bad leader and it's very overt that they're just super abrupt in their communication, they can be really rude. Well, you can kind of compartmentalize that and go, everyone knows that about them. It's very obvious. It's their problem. But with gaslighting, the way that it happens is because it's very manipulative, it, you can't compartmentalize it because it starts becoming what is their problem ultimately becomes your problem and what you see as your own failure. Yeah, you internalize that, I guess. And you get stuck in that cycle where you 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 have your experience, you believe your experience and then you question your experience and you start to mistrust yourself. Yes. Like you don't actually trust your own gut feel or your own recall of events. And then I guess from a confidence point of view, you feel less inclined to call things out, stand up, you know, to something or to say to that person, nah, I disagree, that's not how I saw things. And you really just start to take on what, you know, their control. And that's right. It all comes down to control. It's a very, oh, it's such a toxic dynamic because it's so pervasive and insidious would be the word I would use to describe it. It's just this thing that's, and, and that's why sometimes those overt, overt bad boss behaviours or it's not just bosses, right? Peers do it too. So there are those overt behaviours that are unhelpful are almost easier to deal with than stuff like this. And that's why we want to have this conversation because it is a really, it has a huge emotional toll on people. Let's take a break now, Shell. And when we come back, let's talk about perhaps what is the most important part of this conversation, which is, well, how do you know if you're being gaslit at work? And then what strategies can you use to deal with it? Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. So how do you know if you're being gaslit at work? So these are the sorts of things that we're, I guess, identifying in ourselves. Would that be right, Shell? Yes, yep. So there's a few things. I like to think about what it sounds like in conversation because the best way to observe if if this is happening to you is to listen to some of the language that's – some of the things that are being spoken about because you can see patterns and trends – We also want to just draw some of the common themes about what being gaslit might sound like because we recognize it's confusing if you're in it. And you, like you said, and you use the word cycle, you can get stuck in that cycle of 
thinking, oh, is this me? Is this me? So this is hopefully going to help you draw attention to some of the common things that will get said if you're being gaslit. So it might sound like in conversation, someone saying to you, oh, you're just too sensitive or you're overreacting. The other things um, that you might hear is you're being irrational. So that's where it starts to really get to you're being irrational or you've totally misunderstood. You take things too personally. I never said that. Everyone knows that's not what I said. So the, this is what I, I know Brene Brown talks about, the invisible army um, in her book Dare to Lead. And, and I think in a gaslighting sense, often the person gaslighting you will say everyone knows like they've got that invisible army and then you're like, oh, okay, it's me against everyone. Who is everyone? I don't know. But that's that power dynamic. Wow. Uh, it could also sound like that's not what happened. Mm, you're reading into it and you overanalyze everything. Yes, the overanalyzing oh, one. Yeah. As an overanalyzer, I feel that <laughs> deeply. I'm like, I, over, I do overanalyze everything, but but I can say that about myself, but yes. no one else. Yeah, and and in a gaslighting sense... That might be said to someone who doesn't overanalyze everything, who's not a Pisces. <laughs> uh, it could also sound like you're getting easily offended. Yes. Or this one to just like really mic drop when the gaslighter says, well, you're stressing me out. This is keeping me up at night that you're not remembering this properly. Oh, my gosh. And that is the ultimate form of manipulation because they're taking – Oh, yes. I They're taking something that is actually really affecting you and twisting it in a way that it, it's it's causing them to be the victim. And them blaming you for making them feel like that. It's such a – oh, it's, it's really – you can hear how complex this is. And we want to move into the strategies, I guess, to deal with it. But the other thing I want to say before we move on from what does it sound like, the other thing you'll often hear with someone who's gaslighting is they'll say this thing of, well, I apologise that you feel that way. Mm. So instead of saying... I apologise for my actions or my role in this and having some sense of ownership. Yeah. It's pushing it again. It's, It's you language. So it's all back to you have a problem and I'm going to, in this indirect way push it again back to you, but it sounds like an apology, but it really isn't. So an apology sounds like, hey, Em, I'm really sorry I did that. Or, hey, Em, I just need to apologise. I did this. It's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. <sighs> yeah, when you say, I apologise that you you have felt that, it's, oh, mm. it's not nice. It's not a nice thing. So they're the signs and things to look out for. And looking out for the way someone speaks is a good indicator because it's, it's actually a an example. It's something really tangible that you can hold on to in this time where you might be thinking, I'm really confused about what's actually happening. Yeah, totally. All right. So let's bring this home with how can you actually deal with it? If you've identified that you're in a situation where somebody is gaslighting you and you know that because you've listened to this episode and you're sort of ticking the boxes as we go and it's been that repeated behavior, consistent behavior over time. Shell summarised it for us. She's got us four steps. And so, Shell, talk us through how do we actually, yeah, what do we do? Because it's such a slippery, slippery thing. Slippery is the word, right? So the first thing we want to do is write down what happens in meetings. So you want to be able to document what's happening because that is where you go back to, if you've got it written down, you can confirm what's happened and you can 
I guess you've got that confidence in your own understanding as well. So are we writing down here things like they gave me, you know, this task is due in two weeks or, and therefore we can, you know, publicly refer back to that. Or are we writing down the experience we had as our own private notes in case we ever need to use those in the future? I think both. Okay. So it depends how... It depends how far along you are in this dynamic. But if you're in kind of the early stages of someone and feeling like, I don't think there's much trust here. I think we're not understanding each other. Writing down like, we agreed that this task would be delivered on this date. We agreed that my job would be reviewed and that it would look like this in this timeline. Writing those things down is just a good way to go. I confirm everything that we agreed. If you're in a really toxic relationship with a PR, because again, we've talked a lot about boss, but actually is really common among peers do the same thing of like some of the things that you observed. And one recommendation I would have is write down what they say. Like writing down quotes can be really helpful to go, oh, that's what they're actually saying. Rather than your your interpretation of what they're saying, if you can get those direct kind of quotes down, it can help really clarify what's happening. So do both would be my recommendation, Em. What, what do you think though? Yeah, that makes sense. And look, it's horses for courses, as you said. Perhaps it depends on the level of, of where we're at. And I particularly think in the early days, you might still be d- diagnosing, is this gaslighting or is this just a genuine miscommunication? Yes. So particularly where you might be working with a peer for the first time or you might have a new boss and you sort of feel a little bit like, oh, why, why are we feeling a bit out of sync here? Why do I, you know feel like the, we miss the mark every now and then and you're still diagnosing? Is it just a miscommunication of expectations and that needs clarification or is it gaslighting? That's such a good point. Can we just stay there for a sec? Because I think we want to draw out that there's always miscommunication at work. Like we, you and I, we've worked together on this podcast for a while, yeah, but we have is. different communication styles, right? Yeah. And so when you're working out this dynamic, it's often understanding, well, what is the communication style that I have and how does that differ from the person that I'm working with? And and therefore, what is the, the problem or the way that we're communicating? And what, you can actually work on that in a really practical way. Like totally. My yep. style as a, ver- I, you might be, if you're like me, if you're a verbal processor, but the person that you're working with is an internal processor. Well, there's going to be times where you have those misalignments. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good point. And that's where we've talked a lot in this episode about intention and in particular, their behaviors being deliberate and deliberately manipulative, because there's a difference between a genuine miscommunication and genuine, we're out of sync here, or we just do not click versus that power dynamic, that drive to control, that manipulative Outright lying. Yeah. And yeah, so we just want to say that not all of those scenarios are gaslighting. So let's be really clear on that. The next thing I think, um, it's not just about writing down what's happening, but you also want to reconfirm, like you want to reconfirm with that person what you understood. Yep. And I would put that in writing just in a quick email or so a Slack message. Yeah, and that's going to be more to do with that jotting down what, what is expected, what needs to be achieved, when does it need to be achieved by and sending them that to go. I'm just confirming out of this meeting that these were my to-dos. I'm going to do them by this time. These are Riley's to-dos. They're going to do them by this time and yes. some of that confirmation. And that way you've got it there that if they come back later and say, no, we didn't say that, and be like, well, did actually send you that email and 
you didn't respond. So I was working to that assumption that that was the right timeline. Yeah. And that's a reasonable thing to do. And also a lot of leaders love when people do that because it saves them the work of having to remember when everything's done. But for you, it just gives you that level of, I guess, protection in an environment where you may feel unsafe and there's that confusion where you've got something really clearly articulated of this is what I'm doing by when or this is what we agreed to. And I know, Em, you've talked about in the past that if you haven't done that before and you've been working for someone or working with someone for a while, that can feel a bit jarring. So do you have any recommendations if you haven't put something in writing following meetings, how would you approach that change of behaviour? If I'm picturing a team meeting, so there might be three, four, five, six people in that meeting, I'd be inclined to, in a really non-threatening, quite friendly collegial way to say, guys, I hope you don't mind. I've been jotting down, you know, what we've agreed through this meeting because we've considered a lot. We've discussed a lot. There's plenty of takeaways. I might just shoot it around in an email or I might just shoot it around on Slack or Teams after this, just so we're all on the same page. If anyone sees that I've, you know, got anything in there that they don't feel is like correct, just sing out, let me know. And then at least we all know what we need to do from here. So I think you just make it something that is really procedural and you kind of announce it so it doesn't come out of the blue and I'm sure everyone will just go, yeah, cool, thanks, Em, no worries. Uh, If it's a one-on-one meeting, so you're with a peer um, or your boss, I think you can do a similar thing and you can actually just say, gosh, we've covered a lot. I've been taking notes. I might just circulate that uh, to make sure that we both stay on the same page. That's really good. I don't think you need to overthink it any further. But for me, having that little bit of, um, I guess, conversation, just that moment of conversation on it before sending the email, has it seemed less threatening, less formal, more expected and also gives the other person the opportunity to tell you if they don't want you to do that, which I'm sure they won't, but then it doesn't come out of the blue. Yeah, that's such good advice. The third strategy to deal with a gaslighter is, and I hate saying this out loud, this is like... I find this hard for me to say, but is don't confront it directly. Yeah, I understand why that's difficult because for all of us that have listened to every single other episode of my millennial career ever, <laughs> I'm like, that's talk the to opposite. The person. Yeah, this is the opposite of what you would always recommend we do in other situations. I know, and so that's why I feel uncomfortable about it because I think we should always be able to have direct conversations about problems. The reason I say don't kind of hit this head on is because often what will happen is this person will again turn this right back around to be your fault. They'll become some kind of victim and, and it'll be used to control you again. So it's it's a really tricky space and so I'm acknowledging that. Instead of kind of confronting it head on, which is normally what I encourage, like go through a direct conversation and be really clear about your feedback, I would do it in a more, I suppose, reflective way. So What I'd be saying is if you're talking with someone who's been gaslighting you and you've got to this point of, okay, let's use that pay example where the person felt like they were guaranteed a pay rise and then all of a sudden their leader said, I never agreed to that. I would be saying instead of kind of hitting it on going, no, we did absolutely say that and it becomes this really direct confrontation, I would approach it in this way and where I would go, I think we have different views on what happened my understanding of what happened in that conversation was this and unpack what you're, what you heard. 
and say, I'm hearing that we're having this different version of events. I think we need to have a way of resolving this and here's how I would like it to be resolved. And I would often ask, now this this can escalate it, but I would encourage if you're in a really toxic dynamic with this, ask for a third party. So say, would we be able to have someone else come and just have a chat with us? Because I feel like this has been happening a little bit. Do you think that's possible? And so again, it's reflective. It is, I'm saying this out loud, also realising this is kind of like really tricky. So tricky. And I'm particularly, I guess my question to you, Shell, is what happens if it is that, uh, I guess, positional power dynamic where you've got a leader who is the gaslighter and so they therefore can say no or feel as though they can say no, then what do you do? Absolutely. And that's our fourth strategy. So get outside support. So this would be, if you've got a HR team, I'd be talking to them and saying, this is what's happened. And that's where you might have some of your notes that you've recorded, kind of what has happened over time. Because one of the things that if it's just you and that person and you're constantly in your head about this, you get into that cycle of, oh, this is, I'm not trusting my own instinct and intuition. So getting third party advice can be that game changer and a bit of that circuit breaker. And also knowing that if this person is in a position of influence, chances are other people are having this same experience. So it's not just you, but often a gaslighter will want it to think it's only you. And you would know this as well, Shell, I'm sure. When you go to HR, your story is probably not going to be the first time they're hearing about it. They might not be able to talk to you about the details of that. You might not know, you know, if anybody else has taken it to them. But I tend to think that when you've got good HR, they know. They, they totally know. And it can feel really – people think going to HR is often um, the last resort. I, I completely disagree with that. They're there for this purpose. And letting them know what your experiences are is a really helpful thing and they can give you really good advice of how to deal with it. They may also say, well, why don't we sit down together? And again, I know that can be really stressful, but the way – by bringing a third party in, you're actually taking away some of that control that that person has over you as an individual. And so that to me is just a really key part of this dynamic of breaking the cycle. And I guess going back to that third point of don't confront them directly, I still want you to have a conversation with them and absolutely share your version of events But the goal is to not get drawn into a direct confrontation because that can be a really unsafe place. We're kind of playing on their home ground then, aren't you? Yeah. Like you're really playing to the conditions that they're skilled in and that they tend to take advantage of. And if you don't have a HR team, if you're in a smaller business, find another leader, find another person. It might be a PR uh, as well of someone who maybe has been there longer than you and confidentially talk to them about what's happening. The other thing you can do is find a coach or mentor who can help you unpick some of what's happening, but also keep mind to your own mental health. This stuff can really impact your mental health. So just be aware of the impact that it's having and look at, okay, well, if I'm not seeing any progress, well then what are your next steps? Yeah, absolutely. I was keen to end it on that note too, Shell, that if you're, we haven't talked about, you know, should I stay or should I go in this conversation? But we do often talk about that when we're discussing bad bosses, toxic workplaces, and 
relationships with people that are not conducive to an enjoyable time at work. And ultimately that is going to come down to personal choice. But from our advice, there is absolutely a point where we would recommend that you move on. And so you can go and you can listen to some of the episodes we've done where we talk about that, spend more time talking about that. Same applies here. Uh, However, hopefully there is a way to move through it that doesn't mean that you need to give up what you do have that's working for you. Totally. Awesome. Well, let me just rehash those four strategies to deal with gaslighting at work. Number one, write down what happens following any meetings. Number two, follow it up via email, any actions or commitments. Number three, don't confront directly, but talk to them about it in a reflective way. Number four, get outside support. So HR, any third parties, that's really helpful. Nice one, Shell. If people have enjoyed this episode, what do we do? Well, we love feedback. So give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen. And you can find Em and I on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks so much, Shell. Talk to you again soon. See ya. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 